Storm Bowling Products, the Bowler's Company presents the Storm Collegiate Spotlight with Steve Klimkin and Tim Berg. Storm's Executive Director of Marketing and Above180.com's Tim Berg are going to introduce a variety of collegiate players, coaches, and key people involved in promoting the sport of bowling. Now, here's Coach K and Tim Berg. Joining us on the Storm Collegiate Spotlight podcast is Josie Barnes. Josie has four PWBA titles, including one major, the 2021 U.S. Women's Open. Barnes is a five-time member of Junior Team USA and is currently a member of Team USA. She bowled collegiately at Vanderbilt University and is now the head coach at Vanderbilt. Josie, it's Tim Berg and Coach K. Steve Klempkin. Thank you for joining us. Hi, guys. I'm happy to be here. All right. Well, Josie, you've had a few days now to put into words your U.S. Open win, $100,000. Richard, I know you said it would probably hit you when it's hit your bank account. It probably quite hasn't done that yet. But can you (laughs) expand a little bit now on what this truly means for you being out there in, uh, in California and winning the U.S. Open? Yeah, I, you know, I was just talking to my husband and I'm like, I haven't really slept since the show, like sporadically here and there, but I don't know if it's just my, my body is like past that point of tired, um, where, you know, like you're almost restless or if it's, um, that I'm afraid that I'm dreaming, you know, like I don't want (laughs) to, I don't want to potentially, you know, go to bed and wake up and realize it was, it was all just kind of a dream. So um, yeah, I still, I don't know how or when it'll hit me, but I'm, I still feel like I'm living a dream. Well, there's probably, I mean, there's not many people on the planet who can say that they won a U.S. Open in any sport, you know, yeah. so it has to be a little bit kind of surreal and, uh, you know, like, like you mentioned there, take a little bit of time to process. Yeah. And I think, you know, I was actually texting with Dr. Dean today. He sent me a really sweet message and I said, I, it's so weird because, you know, the first goal is always just to win a title, and I was fortunate enough to do that. Um, but obviously the U.S. Open is like the one, right? Like if, if you're going to pick a major, it's like you put your body, your mind through hell, um, and that's that's the one you want. And I said, you know, I'm 33, but I've really been bowling since I was three years old. And I'm like, it's just hard to conceptualize in my mind that I've bowled 30 years for this one moment. You know, and mm. so I, it's just, I don't know, it's kind of hard to comprehend. And Josie, take us back then to Tuesday night, um, your mindset and, and going into that final match. We, uh, you know, you were playing the lanes a little bit different than the other ladies were on the right-hand side. Talk about your, yeah. um, kind of your, your game plan heading into that match. And was that it from the get-go or after after getting your practice shots, is that kind of what you got? You decided it was the best way for you to attack the lanes, the way you ended up uh, playing them. Yeah, so I gotta say it was kind of a little bit of both. So I, I was definitely playing a much more direct um, shape to the pocket than most of the girls were in match play. Um, I just kept trying to like mess with my ball speed just enough so that I didn't have to feel like I was going left to right at all because. Um, if you paid attention to the lane graph at all, there was like a hump down at the end of the lane. And it's like, for me, with my ball roll and my speed and my rev rate, I knew if I got it going left to right that it it wasn't going to be pretty for me. So all through match play, I was trying to stay as direct as I could. But we did recognize that when we got towards the higher end of the house, that the front seemed to hook. 
uh, a bit more. So we were pretty aware that we needed to have a game plan if I got to that space where you couldn't just make it direct towards the pocket um, because at that point you're on top of it. So, um, you know, I was hoping it would play like it did in match play, but it did force me a little bit further left than um, I probably would have liked to have. Um, But we still just tried to keep our speed up um, and, you know, not give the pocket away too, too much. And it looked like you had a couple of asymmetrical kind of choices. Did you, was that your arsenal was, was a little <laughs> bit more asyms on that? And it, so it why? was. Yeah. I actually thinking back just in general for the week, I, I honestly can't remember throwing a symmetric piece mm. um, during the week. Now that you say that I hadn't really thought about it. Um, it was mainly the UFO alert. I had it both a pin up and a pin down one. Um, in match play, and then also a dark code um, mm-hmm. that we we had put a little bit of surface on. We actually drilled that RSTX to the night before the show, just as a you know, if if it gets to this, we want to make sure we have it. Um, and I actually think it was the right ball call at the beginning uh, of of that match. But I had had some conversations with Sean, and you know, he was my ball rep when I was um, with Ebonite, so he kind of knows my tendencies um and typically once i get comfortable in those kind of situations my ball speed starts to get amped up and in normal situations i'm pretty good at being able to to bring it back down but i was going for a u.s open so um (laughs) we knew that that was going to (laughs) be a little bit harder to do so i think the best worst thing to happen was that i started with a double um because then i was like oh i'm like i feel all right and then the next two or three went like a hundred off my hand um, and so that's why um, we made the decision to go to that pin-up UFO alert. Um, but we had we had discussed that before we ever even got out there. So it was like, if this happens, this is what we're going to do. So I just gave him the eyes, and he gave me the thumbs up, and um, that's how we made that decision. I, I was going to ask you about that. I actually did see that. There was a little bit of a, a look and and, uh-huh. and Marsh and I actually saw that same thing, and we were like, "Oh, there was there was something there that happened with the eyeballs, and you only have that kind of connection with somebody you really know." <laughs> yeah, yep. And, so and people don't it. know that um, Sean and I actually go way way back. So um, he and I made junior team USA together for the first time in 2005. So we've really, you know, kind of been around each other for a lot longer than I think people realize. Um, so. Yeah, I, it, I'm very fortunate that we have that kind of connection. And you mentioned connection. You also you mentioned Dr. Dean as well. So it sounds like you've done some work with him, whether that's through Vanderbilt or or even on your own on a personal level there. But did that help you to both, you know, to even the night before to the day before, knowing that later on in the day, and luckily, uh, West Coast time, it was 4 o'clock, so you didn't have to wait right. until 7. But to know that you are you have one match and one game for $100,000, um, how did you prepare yourself mentally for that? Because that's something a lot of us just we can't even wrap our heads around. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think there are a couple of things that go into it. I think I'm the type of player, and I say this to my boss all the time, that I don't know if I could – full full time on tour and try to make it my only living. Um, because I, I don't know how I would handle having to strike to pay the bills. So I think I'm fortunate in the sense that 
I'm doing this because I, I just love competing and love the sport. Um, and so that gives me a sense of relaxation knowing that, um, my daughter isn't depending on this. Right. Um, and so I think in some ways that helps relax me. Um, but I also, especially for this event, I went in and just thinking like, how cool is it that I have the opportunity to bowl for a U.S. Open one game? Um, you know, I tried not to make it bigger than it was. I tried to keep myself just me. Um, but I wasn't thinking worst case scenarios. Uh, it was just, what's the worst that can happen tonight? I lose and I finish second in the U.S. Open. Well, that's still pretty darn cool. Like, <laughs> I don't know many people that can say that, um, you know, and so just trying to keep everything in perspective is, is really important for me. And one of the things, I mean, they had made the announcement for the added money for the prize fund actually yeah. came kind of late, didn't it? Yeah, it did. It was like, I don't know, a week before. Um, and, and that's probably a fair, um, I guess, topic to bring up too, you know, and I, I mentioned it a couple of times, but like my season had been so terrible going into this event that I had no expectations at all. Um, you know, I, I wanted to leave feeling like I could be a respectable bowler. Um, and so I, the thoughts of the money and, you know, everything that went along with that weren't ever really there because I hadn't proven that I could do that <laughs> at all this season. So mm. um, it, it, it wasn't, to me, it wasn't at the forefront of my mind like it might have been for some of the other players. Mm. And we mentioned your um, your coaching duties with Vanderbilt there. It was so great to see the videos of them having the watch party, and I'm sure that's something. How how did that? Obviously, you saw it after the fact, but how did that affect yeah. you? And and um, what what you know? Have you had a chance to uh, to talk to your team, or is that uh, is that coming up yet? Yeah, so I've seen a couple of them today because we're doing some individual stuff. But it was honestly one of the coolest texts I've. I think I've ever gotten, um, you know, I, I hope that, you know, in some way I can inspire them even just a little bit and, cause they inspire me every day. Um, and you know, they're, they're part of my drive to continue to compete. Um, and so I, I pulled it up uh, and, you know, I had a lot of, a lot of text messages, um, after mm-hmm. the end of the show. And, um, it was the first one I opened and I'm like, Kyle, you have to see this. Um, and it just, it brought tears to my eyes. Well, that's really cool. You know, one of the, uh, one of the things, you know, this is the collegiate spotlight podcast. Um, and just talking about Vanderbilt, you know, we got, um, the chance to see, I don't know how many people have seen it that are listening to this podcast right now, uh, but a pretty cool story called Vandy rolls. Yeah. That came out a little bit earlier. So talk about that a little bit and then uh, where somebody can go if they want to watch that. It was pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I think you can find it on YouTube, but it's also an ESPN production. So you can probably, I think you can go through their app and find it as well. Um, we actually recorded it several years ago or started recording it. Um, and just this producer approached us and said, hey, like, I've read your guys' story on your first national championship, and I think this is a cool story that needs to be told. And so, you know, he made several trips to campus and um, to visit some of my um, old teammates uh, and just talk about the the run that we had because, you know, a lot of people think of Vanderbilt as, like, 
fairly established at this point, but back when I first started school, they were the newcomers. Um, and we, we were successful pretty quickly. Uh, and so he kind of goes into that, that story and what led up to that championship. And, um, it's, it's one of the coolest things that I've, I've been a part of. Yeah. Can you, can you talk about the team? How are you guys looking this year? I know we're still in a little bit of that unknown phase with COVID. I mean, looks like everything, you know, you guys are going to have a season. It's going to start from the get go, which is a good thing. Um, but we're still, you know, all of us bowl as bowlers and tournament bowlers are right. hoping things uh, keep progressing with yeah. the, the virus going where it is. But how is the team looking and, and how have you been, you know, how have the, the ladies been with you? Like you said, you got to work with some of them off, uh, you know, on the lanes and such. But how's your summer been with the team and, and how are things looking? Yeah, so most of our kids went home for the summer. So um, and they came back while I was at the U S open. So most of them I haven't seen yet. So, um, I'm hoping they all look great, <laughs> but we, we, uh, we haven't really gotten to that yet, but you know, I'm, I'm lucky. We have a great group of kids. Um, we have 11 kids on the team and they all, they all work really hard and, you know, they do the things that I ask of them, even when they have question marks behind it. <laughs> um, and so, you know, yeah, I, I think, the most important thing with this season as it was in the last is that you just learn how to, how to roll with it, right? Like we don't know what tomorrow brings and we have that conversation a lot. Um, and it's, if we have to wear masks while we bowl, then we wear masks while we bowl. And if we have to do something else, then we do something else. But, you know, we're always prepared for the unexpected and um, we, we appreciate that we have the opportunity to compete. That That's, that's something you mentioned there. Like, uh, regarding even the attitude you take towards uh, bowling with the mask on. And I thought that was, that was something we were discussing. Uh, actually, we were down at the New Mexico open and there's a lot of people that get, get so either frazzled or frustrated uh, that they have to wear a mask while they're bowling. It almost feels like if you don't let that bother you, you have a few kind of bonus <laughs> yeah. edge to start. Yeah. I mean, it, for me, it doesn't bother me. You know, like I, I feel like, um, I'm doing my part to try to make the world just a little better place. And if, if that's what it takes, then I'm happy to do it. Um, it doesn't bother me while I bowl other than like on the TV show, it was a little hot, but I don't think it would have mattered with or without it on. I think my anxiety was, um, <laughs> was taking care of that. <laughs> um, you know, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it, everything about bowling, like obviously there are physical things that can make you better, but, um, if you can have control of your mind and, and that part is a piece of it, um, you'll, you'll have a pretty good control of your success. Final question I've got for you, Josie, it's kind of undeniable when you look at the players who made the step ladder there at the, the women's U S open, uh, at how much of a, a collegiate tie they have, you know, I mean, yeah. that's, that has to, there, that can't just be a coincidence, right? There has to be some kind of preparation yeah. that, that really helps. I don't think you can match collegiate bowling experience, um, you know, and I, I can only really speak from the NCAA side because that's what I've always been involved in. But like for, for NCAA teams, every match is important. That's the only way that you get to postseason. Um, so you literally feel like every shot is the important one, right? Like you feel the weight of, of, you know, every shot that you take. And so I think, putting girls in that in that opportunity to both succeed and fail um, gets them set up for for the big stuff we're bowling on the PWBA. 
Josie Barnes, Associate Head Coach for Vanderbilt uh, University. I want to thank you for being here today on the Storm Collegiate Spotlight Podcast. All the best of luck to the team this year. Your first tournament coming up at the uh, the end part of October there, hopefully crossing our fingers down in New Orleans. Yeah. We'll, um, we'll be uh, keeping our eye on the tournament and then uh, hopefully catching up with you again sometime. But thanks again for being here. Awesome. Thanks, guys.